Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 6. But when you pray... Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask of Him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he goes on to, to give the, the rest of that. The context of this, if you look at what he's talking about here, he's talking to us and he's saying, listen, I don't want you just to say meaningless words. Reciting something that you've done all your life. How many of us as young people, as kids, we learned the Lord's Prayer when we were little? And we've said it. We've said it over and over again. To the point where almost at some t- in some ways it can seem meaningless because we didn't really grip on what is, what is He trying to tell us there. I want you to understand tonight that if He wanted us just to recite it, why didn't the p- uh, apostles ever talk about it? See, we have great men of God. Paul, he never goes over it again. He never mentions it again. The apostles, they don't recite it in any of their books of the Bible. But I want, the reason why I want to bring it up tonight is because I believe tonight God wants us to have dynamic prayer lives. He wants us to have prayer lives that are not by recitation, but are by an, a, a spontaneous work of the Spirit of God in us. He is giving us the blueprint for prayer. He wants us to build on a prayer life. He gives us the blueprints, but we have to build the prayer life. Okay? He gives us what we need He's saying, listen, this is how you build it, but the only way it's going to truly happen is if you do it. Now tonight, I don't want to be spanking us. I have worked on, I've been, pre- I've been preaching on prayer for several months back, and I'm back at it again because the Holy Spirit is just saying, listen, this is where I want to plant you. This is where you're supposed to stay. Right here. Prayer, it, there, I'm going to tell you right now, no revival ever started in a Bible study. Revival always begins when people cry out through prayer. It's unfortunate today that we look at this prayer in some ways and we say it over and over again and yet it has done nothing in our lives. I would, I would venture to tell you this, when you go home tonight, I want you to look at John chapter 17. And I'll guarantee you, after you look at that chapter, you will see what the Lord's Prayer really should be. That was the Lord's Prayer over His disciples. That was the Lord's Prayer over that that, the, the nation of Israel. That truly should be the Lord's Prayer tonight. See, in recent fads today, we have taken 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. The prayer of Jabez. See, here in the middle of all these genealogies, so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and then all of a sudden you got, and Jabez was more noble than all of his brothers, and Jabez prayed that he would increase. What have we done with that? See, just just like the Lord's Prayer, we took that. There is a guy, actually, you can get online. He will actually guarantee you success and blessing in 30 days if you just keep praying the prayer of Jabez over and over again. Making it a formula for a breakthrough in our lives. But what I want you to know tonight is a prayer life 
that is birthed in the Spirit of God will bring those things that you want in your life. Will bring that success that you're looking for. But not by some repetitious thing that we do that we think is going to encroach on something that, that God's never intended it to be. He says, in this, he says in this verse, he says, Pray in this way. The force of the Greek word there means this. Pray after this pattern. He's, it's, he's saying this. In, in other words, he's saying, In your own extemporaneous praying, be sure that you pray the way I'm going to give it to you, where I'm going to show you how to do this. He's not telling us, repeat these things and repeat these certain words and something's going to happen to you. He said, listen, I'm going to give you the blueprint, but unless you pray, it will mean nothing. I know people that have prayed the, prayer, the Lord's Prayer, they told me, for 50 years. And they still haven't seen the kingdom of God come. They haven't even seen their debts forgiven because they're walking in unforgiveness. So what does it matter if we keep saying it over and over again and it doesn't mean anything? I want you to know tonight... There is no magic formula in prayer. There is no magic formula in saying some prayer. Whether it's the prayer of Jabez or whether it's the Lord's Prayer. There is no magic formula in it. The dynamic of prayer though is so important that I refuse to cast it off as some vain repetition. Because James 5.16 says, Prayer is powerful and it is effective. Why would Jesus even need to pray? Just think about this just for a minute. He's God. He is a hundred. He's fully God and He's fully man. Why would He even need to pray? What, what would be the necessity of Him praying? For years I've thought, as I was a Christian, a prayerless, powerless, ever-wandering, never-battling, content... Doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to be content in all situations? That's what I would do. Yeah, I'm content. My life did not measure up with the Word of God. But I'm a Christian. See, I'm fine. I'm content. I'm, I'm saved. That's all that matters to me. Even though my life doesn't line up with the Word of God. But, but whose does anyway these days? Whose life really lines up with the Word of God? So we make the excuse and we say, okay, you know what? What does it matter anyway? My life's answer to life situations was this. It must be meant to be. When something goes wrong, it was. It, how many of us have said that? It must be. That's just the way God wants it. Hey, His will, He's, he's working His will. I can't argue with that. He's sovereign over all things anyway, so why don't I just let Him handle it? He's got it all under control anyway, right? Isn't that what we say? This may be fine when we maybe lose a credit card or maybe lose our keys or our boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with us. But what about when, when something really serious happens? When, when we see somebody whose life is ravaged by an abusive father or who's been a girl that's been raped or, or the things that go on in, in, in our world. How do we explain that then? Are we really going to say that God somehow desired for these evils to happen? Or is there something else going on? 1 John 5.19 says, For we know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of God. Oh, I think he says the evil one. Ephesians 2.2 He says he's, the enemy is the prince and power of the air. 
John 12, 31 says he is the ruler of this world, talking about the enemy. So we say these things in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Is that it? Is that all we have to do? If that's it, then I'll just keep repeating it over and over again. God, let your, will, your kingdom come, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Or is there something more dynamic that God wants to see in our prayer lives? Did He desire for us to go deeper? When He was talking about His kingdom, He's talking about the rule of God over hearts, minds, men, women, nature, circumstances, sickness, suffering, death, sin, and demons. In other words, He's saying, listen, this is what it looks like when God's in control, truly in control. So in one sense, the kingdom of God has already taken over the world. Why? How did that happen? Mark 1.14 says that He declared that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him. And when he did that, he said God had sent him to do this work. But in another sense, the kingdom has not yet reached its, its fulfillment because the Son of Man is going to bring his kingdom in the future sense also. See, you remember all the parables he gave us about agriculture? Think about those things just for a minute. He wanted things to grow in us. He wanted things to be planted in us. He wanted us to understand that what he was doing was there was something going to be there was something going to begin growing up in us see god's kingdom is present in its beginnings but it is still future in its fullness right now we see glimpses of the kingdom of god but not the complete takeover that that we really want to see i believe our attitude on this issue affects our prayer life See, I believe there's people, Billy and I were just talking this week, someone told him, well, God's in control of everything. So, basically what it makes us do is just throw up our hands, okay, I'm just subject to whatever's going to happen to me. Then why would we pray? See, if we don't believe that prayer works, we won't pray. If we believe the only time to pray is when we're in trouble or we need something or in just a season of prayer then we won't pray either. If we think that everything was just meant to be, then we won't pray. If God's in control, why would I pray? If we believe prayer is the only thing that will make me better, or my finances better, or give me divine favor, then I have a warped view of prayer. See, because this is it. God wants us through prayer to join in unison with Him. Find His heart, find what moves Him, then unite ourselves with Him in oneness. When our prayers are in unison with the will, that is, that is where the fire starts. That is where the work gets done in the Spirit. See, praying His kingdom means this. Praying His kingdom means exerting His will, His dominion, and His reign here on earth. Many of us have only thought of this in relation to what's going on with me. I hear people say this, Oh, I had the favor of the Lord. I got, a, I got the front row parking spot. How does that line up with the Word of God when I'm supposed to be last? See, He wants us to exert His will, His dominion, and His reign here on, the, on earth. It is more dynamic and broad than we ever imagined. Jesus, who was fully God, even said, Not my will but your will be done. 
See, that's the larger picture. If Jesus could say that, how much for us? I want you just to imagine just for a minute. I'm, I hope there's no Sarahs here tonight. But I'm going to use the, the, a girl named Sarah as an example. Sarah is going through a very difficult situation. However, she is not walking in obedience, but she is following after her own will. A faith healer steps in and says, God must heal you right now. It must happen for you right now, Sarah, for, for there even to be proof that God is real. For God to be everything, this spoken word has to, has to accomplish what I just said it would happen. See, but what if, just for a minute, I want you to take Sarah just for a moment. What if in God's infinite knowledge, He knows the circumstances, the catalyst that will bring the change in Sarah's life, that is going to make her call out to God, that is going to put her on her knees into a position where God wants her. How many times do we come along and we try to circumvent what God's doing in the name of Jesus. Have I tried to circumvent the plan of God by doing this? See, what I truly need in this situation is the heart of God on this matter. See, I don't want to knock down our faith. And that's what some of us would say, oh, well, that just, that just knocks my faith down if I can't believe it's going to happen right this moment. Am I praying outside His design and His purpose? Because I want to get in His will. I'll give you an example tonight, a real life example. Probably about eight years ago, my wife Connie was deathly sick. She had lost so much weight, she was in such dire situation that I was actually feeding her through... First, they had a hole in her stomach and I had to push food through that hole. And then when that no longer worked, they put a pick line in through her arm that went right directly into her heart. And every day I'd have to take a bag of basically every nutrient she needed to keep her alive, and I would pump that into her all night long. In the midst of this situation, I began to cry out to God. Now, if a faith healer had come along and said, you be healed right now, Connie, it's supposed to happen, just like I say. I want you to understand today, this guy right here would not be standing in front of you. I would have truly never gotten a hold of who God is by walking 600 acres behind my house, around and around and around, crying out to God. I do remember the day that God said, I am going to heal her. And I said, God, how can, what are you talking about? We don't deserve this. He goes, I'm not healing you hear her because you guys deserve it. I'm healing her because I am God. But it didn't happen that day. It didn't happen the next month. It didn't even happen that year. But I kept on my knees. I kept crying out to God. What I want us to understand tonight is God wants a prayer life in you, developed. What you want is to sit in the pew and you want to go, 
come up here and you want to go, heal me God right now. I need it right this moment. You don't understand what I'm going through. And what God might be saying is, listen, what I want you to do, what I want your husband to do, what I want your family to do, is get on your knees. You don't need a faith healer. What you need is a prayer life. What you need is God working internally in you and and, and, in so doing, bringing and revitalizing who you are in Him. What if I told you tonight that God is more concerned with your spiritual well-being than He is your physical well-being? See, I would answer with a resounding yes. I want you to think about men like Sahid who sit in, sit in an Irani prison right now. Tell me about how physically and in the natural things are great for him and his family. I want you to look tonight to those who have sacrificed, those who have gone to the cross. What if my circumstances, what if my sickness, what if this obstacle, what if this affliction is meant me to drive me to Him? It's maybe, it's to cause me to cry out to Him. This is the place where I keep pursuing. This is the place where I remain dependent. Some would say to me even tonight, well Greg, I'll tell you right now, I would be there. I would stay there. Don't we? You don't have to worry about that. If God, God will heal me and it doesn't get him out, I will stay right where I'm supposed to be. Really? Have you been there for 40 years? Or where were you wandering? I know where I would be. See, I know God has me right now in my circumstance to drive me to my knees. Every one of you has something if you don't, then you, you know what? This is the place where you can begin to cry out for those around you. If you don't have a particular issue that's going on with you, this is your time to buffer those around you in prayer. This is a time for you to cry out for your mom and dad, to cry out for your brothers and sisters, to cry out for your uncles and aunts, for your wife, for you to cry out in that place. The connection is for me to grasp His will than praying His will. Thus, I bring His kingdom. This is all found and discovered and accomplished in the secret place. See, Psalms 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Psalms 119.71, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I may learn your decrees. Paul said it like this, 1 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, So that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for them. Wow. See, I always hear about these messages about the blessing and all these great things that God's going to do. Not that I'm destined for affliction. See, I will tell you this. This is why when you see... Jesus, throughout the Scriptures, there were 12 men. There were 12 men that He hung on to. Crowds gathered. 5,000 He fed. The day He walked in on Palm Sunday, they were all, they all loved Jesus. I want you to know today, there are plenty of people around you that, you'll even, I've even heard people tell me this, they, but He loves Jesus. He does, Greg, He does. Really? Is that why he's disobedient? 
to the Word of God? See, it's not my love that determines who I am in Him. It's my obedience, my faithfulness, living right before Him is what determines it, not just this love thing. I will tell you what, we are in love with the idea of being in love with Jesus. But when it comes down to it, we truly don't love Him. We like Him. We like what He's going to do for us. Acts 14.21 After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through tribulations, many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. He wants me to pray His will. So how do I find it? How do I know it? How do I obtain it? See, exertion of His will is not in the physical. My futile man attempts will not accomplish His will. But when I speak His heart to a set of circumstances which He destined to come to pass, it shall be accomplished. Whether I see it in the physical results or not. Did you guys get that? I'm going to say it one more time. But when I speak His heart into a set of circumstances which He has destined to come to pass, it shall be accomplished. It shall be accomplished whether I see the physical results or not. See, this is where the faith movement got sidetracked. See, they had good intentions. They had a good origination. But bad doctrine. Their hearts were right in trying to get to that place. But they missed it because they, were, they got so enveloped in themselves. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He's known as the prince of preachers. Often he would te teach people to persevere in prayer. He says this, If for a while the heavens are brass and, they, and, and your prayer only echoes in thunder above your head, pray on. If... Month after month, your prayer appears to have miscarried, and no reply has been vouchsafed for you. Yet you still continue to draw nigh unto the Lord. Do not abandon the mercy seat for any reason whatsoever. It is, it is a good thing that you have been asking for. If it is a good thing that you've been asking for, and you are sure it is according to His divine will, if the visionary wait for it, pray, weep, entreat, wrestle, agonize, until you get that which you are praying for. I will offer you this tonight. I believe that our praying, it should be in line with what the Bible says about prophecy. It says this in 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through human spoke God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. I would offer this to you tonight, that our prayers should be carried along by the Holy Spirit. Our prayers should be birthed in Him. I can only know His will to circumstance by time in the secret place. If, he is, if His will is already being done, then why would I pray? If He is controlling everything, why don't I just throw my hands up and let it go? Because I want to offer you to this tonight is that it is not going according to the plan at the moment. The enemy, the prince and power of the air, is ruling. But we start at my home. Then we start with our church. And then we start with our city. 
And we say, God, have your way over this place. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Show me what your will is. Show me what you want to do in this hour. I'll offer you this tonight. Prayer is what brings it. Prayer is what brings. Prayer is what exerts. Prayer is what introduces, introduces His will into this dimension. That is why prayer is so vital, relevant, and necessary. Romans 15.30, Paul says it like this. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The Weymouth Bible says, labor with me in prayer. How many of you guys know tonight that prayer sometimes feels like work? Prayer feels like labor. Prayer feels like you're giving birth. Some of you ladies know what that feels like. I don't. And I don't want to. I have heard about taking your lip and all that thing, but I'm saying. Anyway, what I'm telling you tonight is prayer is, is hard work. A good marriage is hard work. Having good kids, it's hard work. Fasting is hard work. It's not easy. Now, if it comes naturally for you, praise God. I want to know your secret. But I'm going to tell you right now, I agonize with it. I fight with it. I battle with it. To get on my face before God every night, it is a chore. The enemy wants to bring up everything I've done all day, bad or good. He wants to, he wants to bring up the things that will distract me, and I have to go. And I, this is how I actually have to pray. I'll start praying, Lord Jesus, hallowed be thy name. I just say, I begin to praise him, thank him, give you glory and honor, and worthy is the King of kings. And all of a sudden I think, oh, you know what, Greg, you know what you forgot to do? You forgot to take out the trash. Immediately. I'm sure Scott knows this. Hey, there's probably a cow out there that's giving birth. I need to go check on that right now. See, what we, then when it happens, what I'm telling you what I do right now, is I, I, I quickly, I grab my head and I, say, I take captive every thought right now to the obedience of Christ. I reject whatever the enemy's distraction is. It may not even be a bad thing. I refuse it right now in the name of Jesus. And then I begin to press in again. Because I know that there's a place when I get so focused, I can open heaven over me. But I will tell you right now, heaven does not open when I'm thinking about the dog who didn't get fed. He says, labor together with me. What's this word labor? It means this. It means to agonize, strive properly, to fight together, to strive together. It's, almost, it's, it's, like, it's like you're in a contest, a fighting contest. It's very similar. This word is only used one time right here in, in Romans 15.30. It's very similar to a word that we talk about. When I talked about, he says, make every effort or strive to enter through the narrow gate. And what did I tell you that word means? That word strive or make every effort says you're, it's, it's, it's a battle. It's a con. So for me to get through that narrow gate, he's saying you're going to have to battle. You're going to have to fight to get through there. I'm going to tell you right now, praying is a fight. He, used, he gives us the word. He says, listen, I want you to properly to strive, to agonize in prayer with me. Fasting, praying, all these things are going to be hard work. But this idea of laboring in prayer, it also argues against repetitious prayer. Think about that just in itself right there. Think about that word I just gave you. 
How does that look? How does that line up with a repetitious prayer? Oh God, do these things for me and, and everything will be fine. He's saying, listen, I want you to battle. I want you to fight as though you're, you're battling with the enemy in prayer. Now, as I obtain His will, His purpose, His design, my prayer life is not a repetitious ritual, but it takes on a new dynamic. It is powerful and effective. James speaks about this prayer. He, says, he talks about it before uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, but he says this. He says, talks about praying amiss. He, pray, he said, talks about praying without doubt. And then he says in James 15, 16, he says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want you to look at these two words, powerful and effective. That word powerful means to engage in the fray. Engage resistance. Strengthening them with combative, confrontive force to achieve all He gives faith for. Facing necessary resistance that brings what the Lord defines as success. It is a request of a divinely approved person who is energized by God. I like this last part here. Here, the believer seeks to make petitions in faith which are in accordance with God's inbirthings. Does that look like just a repetitious say what you want prayer? How about the other one? Effective. Energized, engaged in, intensified, working in a situation what brings it from one stage to the point of the next, like an electrical current, energizing a wire, bringing it into a shining light bulb. That sounds repetitious. See, it's never dependent on Him. It's always, He's always waiting on us. Will you get into the fray? Will you join in and labor with me to seek His will? To, he says, if, if I seek Him, He will be found. He says, if I seek you, seek Him with all my heart. Persistence and pestering in our prayer. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord... Take no rest for yourselves and give Him no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise into the earth. The New Living Translation says that last part like this. Oh, Jerusalem, I have poached the watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night, continually taking no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. That's what our prayer lights are supposed to look like. Well, you say, oh, Greg, well, that's the Old Testament. That's Isaiah. Okay, well, let's see what... Let's see what Paul says. Rejoice always in Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That word without ceasing means without any necessary, unnecessary delay. See, do you want to be a fortress in these last days? Build a hedge of protection around your family by prayer. It's in that closet. You want, to, you want to be a prepper for the last days? You want to store up treasure in heaven. You want to store up things in that closet. That's where you will be a prepper before the, for the end of the days. See, if I don't pray, let me ask you this. This is, this is a question I, I asked myself at the end. I said, if, if I don't pray, 
And I'm, maybe some of you are asking this question even now. If I don't pray, am I still okay? Or if I do once in a while, am I still okay? It's not a matter of how God feels about you. If you aren't praying, I don't think you have His heart. You won't know His will. See, some people want, they, they want that definite answer. Tell me this so I can know, Greg. I don't know. I know this for me. I know that when, for most of my life, I wandered along, I did what pleased me. I followed what made me happy. I wasn't wrapped up in what made him happy. See, the only way I'll know that is if I get into prayer. How do I fulfill his mission and accomplish what he wants to do on earth? By finding time with him. Paul says it like this, Ephesians 6.18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for the Lord's, for the Lord's people. Some of you say, to, would say tonight, Well, Greg, you don't understand. I've prayed and nothing happened. I've prayed and asked God. I maybe even, I've even fasted. And all I feel is disappointment when I do these things. I've pleaded. I've fasted. I've prayed. But God did not come through the way I thought He was. So how do I make sense of all this? We don't give up. Amen. See, sometimes we place too much emphasis on our experience. The danger is basing our theology on an experience when what God wants is for us to base our theology on Him. So often we come to conclusions about God answering prayers based upon what He has or hasn't done when what we really need to understand is that God is preparing us to go into a place where He will show us His most intimate secrets. It's when two become one, our hearts become united with His, our will united with His. We change and He changes the world around us. I want you to understand tonight, the, the kind of prayer I'm talking about, it doesn't just change us. Yeah, it does that. But it changes everything around us. It's powerful. It's effective. Tonight, I don't want this to be a message, oh, he's just hitting us over the head again with prayer. <laughs> no. I want to inspire you to pray. I want you to be called to pray. I want you to feel an urgency to pray. Because if all I do is give you a directive, it'll last a couple weeks. Some of you, it may, you, may, you may last a month. And then you'll fall. I'm talking about where it becomes your lifestyle. It becomes your prerogative. It becomes your, your pressed. You see its necessity. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Bo, turn those lights off for me. As we close tonight, our desire is to see His kingdom come. To see His will be done. It will not be accomplished by physical force. It's only going to come about as a result of me getting into the prayer. Into the closet with Him.